Welcome to the All That's Holy Blue Collar Podcast. Thought-provoking interviews with interesting guests and commentary on everything. Food, sports, God, gardening, church, politics, music, movies, comedy, you name it, we talk about it. I'm Cody Stopper. And this is Craig Morton. On this podcast, we talk to writers, teachers, activists, and we seek some wisdom. And as always, we are allergic to big words, but not to big ideas. Profound things will be said, but entirely by accident. I'm recording now. Here we go. All right. Greg is home from Arizona. It's nice to be back where the weather is cool. My goodness, we what? got back here and it was like 84 degrees, I think. Yeah, you came at, well, I don't know how, I forget how long you were gone, but you came at least if you were here, because it has been cool the last two days, but we're gearing up for another 100, yeah. 108. Yeah, but uh, so you did come home at the right time, I think. I did, I did. And as crash test Craig, I even had a little crash test. Uh, well, well, we're I was wondering, man, you yeah. you had to stop and do some road work. So we were, we're was body so work? I, I was in Phoenix for about 10 days. Yeah. We're okay. in Tempe, Arizona for about 10 days. And actually the day we left was probably the hottest day there. I think by 10 a.m. I was already up to when I went to go fill up the, the car with some gas. It was already 108 degrees at 10 a.m. Oh, that's it was so going to be one of those 118 days. And it's in its monsoon season. Yeah. which there was one day there where it was like 110 plus and it was 60% humidity. Ugh. And Gross. it just felt brutal. Gross. And so that was, that was the day that I decided to do a favor for my brother. And after mowing my dad's yard where we, where I was staying, I also decided to mow his yard just four houses down because he had to go back to school. His, for him, school started. And so I thought, oh, I'll do my brother a favor. My goodness! By the time I did that second yard, I was just toast. And fortunately, he has a he has a he has a swimming pool. So all I did is take off my shoes and my glasses. And after I was done, I shook off the grass and dust and washed off the sweat and awesome. uh, came home or came back to my dad's house and just kind of chilled. <laughs> Man. That sounds awful. Sixty. Oh yeah. I yeah. It it oh. really made me wonder about youth sports. I didn't drive around as much this last time as I had earlier in the summer. But by then, most football teams are practicing, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I've completely forgotten what it was like when I was young. And what what did the football teams do? Because there's there's no way you're doing two a days unless you're doing them at like three a.m. and then yep. do do the second set at what eleven p.m. Yeah, late uh, at night. Oh my gosh. Uh, but it's it was it was pretty brutal out there i think i have heard of a kid in particularly in arizona dying from uh football practice over uh, uh, and i'm not uh, yeah i'm sure it i'm sure it happens anyway so on our it was it was hot that day i'm glad we were heading out because we we're heading up to flagstaff flagstaff hmm. is just it's one of the best places on earth Ooh. um Flagstaff, but not recommend. a good place to be a middle class person. It's there's there's no jobs for the middle class. If you're if you're one of the wealthy elite and you retire there, it's good. Yeah. Uh, if you're happy being poor and want to work at fast food and service industries, gotcha. that's good. Um, that's an in between. I suppose public service employees probably get a 
pretty decent, you know, job there, but there's really, it's really short on the middle class and housing's pretty expensive. Mm. And uh, anyway, it's one of those places that Carla and I have always said, we would love to live here someday. And as we're leaving flag uh, Phoenix on our way to Flagstaff, we're not even out of uh, Phoenix and I'm driving and out of the corner of my eye, I see something coming up from the left side. Like, like you see, you know, a, butterfly smack your windshield you know yeah mm-hmm. oh yeah except you know that thing was you know it's coming at 75 miles an hour of course and anyway it was a rock about an inch in diameter and just like at the last splits not even split second tenths of seconds when i realized this is a rock it was all you can do to not flinch and like right. move away. It's like, wait, I can't do that. I've got a wheel in my hands and I'm going fast. Yeah, just so we, we, we got hit. And then for the next, it's about a two hour drive up the Flagstaff, maybe two and a half. And for the next two hours, that rock sat on the windshield wiper on the passenger side, just there, like watching, you know, <laughs> I I like, yeah, you. I did that. Yeah, I did that. I, I really wanted to keep it as like a little souvenir. And, you know, <laughs> Carla's not Carla doesn't have terribly long arms, but I would have said, "Hey, roll down your window and then reach around and grab that thing. We can we can mount that." Because um, actually, you know, it tried, but we won. You know, so it's it was ours. It was ours to mount to the wall as some kind of roadkill. We killed a rock on the road. Oh my gosh! Um, but that that split. I mean that that crack. You know, began to grow and grow. Oh, yeah. and of course, it was down low enough because, like, if it's one inch within the boundary of the window itself, they got to replace it. Uh, they can't just fill it. And, but by the time we got up to Flagstaff, it was definitely a fill. So Carla gets, I'm driving, Carla's on the phone and she's calling Safe Light because we figure, yeah. Hey, there's a sponsor, Safe Light. You know, you can sponsor our podcast. Uh, <laughs> you, you did good work. Um, but they tried to contact our insurance agent, our, assur- our insurance for, um, you know, the coverage, their internet connection from Safe Light to other insurers or something outgoing calls weren't working. So we couldn't get our insurance approval. They said, Oh, I'll probably be here by tomorrow. Let's go ahead and schedule. So we scheduled 10 AM and uh, the following day in Flagstaff. And then Carla calls our, or maybe sends a text to our, to our insurance agent and says, Hey, just wanted to give you a heads up. Uh, Then he texted back or sent an email back. Oh, you're, your your policies canceled. Uh, so we had bought new coverage with a new company to start two days later. But when they got the email, somebody oh hit the button gosh. and canceled it when they received the email. Oh my gosh. So then Carla had to send another email saying, no, not now <laughs> on Saturday, not, not today. And then got that restarted, but I go there to get my windshield repaired and the next morning, and they still haven't been able to contact the insurance company. So, you know, pay out of pocket. Oh and, my gosh. Uh, but it was, it was, it was a, it was a delay, but it was also an opportunity because got to go to a really cool coffee shop called yeah. White Dove. White Dove. And I walk in and I order some coffee and I'm in a, I'm in a mood. So I get myself some fancy thing. <laughs> it's called a teardrop espresso. You ever oh, had one? No, no, no. Uh-uh, it's, it's weird. It's good. Um, but um, they said, oh, hey, coffee, all, all, all drinks are free for the, uh, for the next hour. So sweet. 
No kidding. So this teardrop, it's a three-layer espresso, and I don't even know how they do it. It's like magic. <laughs> so the first sip is like magic. a latte. First, there's an M. Yeah, yeah. There we go. First down, magic, magic, magic coffee, magic beans, and and so the <laughs> the the um the um the top layer is just like a foamy latte. That's okay. cool. I like oh, that. Sure. You know? Yeah, yeah. And then you sip down a little bit longer, and then you get that second layer. That's usually in a latte, the more espresso flavored coffee. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they serve it in demitasse, you know, cups. Mm-hmm. Mm. So it's and so you know, I'm, yeah, pinkies out and everything. <laughs> and so I'm drinking that, and it's like, okay, I'm getting close to the bottom, and I go to the bottom, and it's Cold, sugary chocolate syrupy. Ooh, I mean it's a, it's a coffee syrup that's cold. And it's like wait, I mean it's foamy and hot on yeah. top with this cold layer on the bottom. Oh wow! It's like wait, how do you how'd that happen? That's awesome. That sounds and that cool. was that was the first cup, you know. And I was like, oh. I finished the bottom of the first cup. <laughs> of, whoa. Okay, oh. I'm gonna I'm gonna oh, take care of the second cup slowly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And and just kind of, I uh, have no idea how they did the magic. Uh, I'd like to go find another one, but maybe bigger than Demitas. You know? Wow. <laughs> anyway, then we then we walked around NAU campus, yeah, where we went to went to school and got some souvenirs and wished we could afford to move back there and then <laughs> hit the road. Just get hired on to the track track team, buddy, as a coach. Yeah, I think I've got a. I've, I've, I, I, I might need more experience before they hire <laughs> All right. me. All right. I don't know. We, you know, and we saw some of the cross country team out there doing their workouts. You know, running at seven thousand foot elevation. It's just insane. Crazy. Uh, Crazy. Not even fair. Anyway, it was it was a good good time in Flagstaff. Then we moseyed our way back and made a two day trip uh, wow. through Utah. And, awesome. Beautiful. Um, oh, some beautiful yeah. parts of Utah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, we couldn't see a lot of the beautiful parts because oh, okay. the smoke came up against the Wasatch Range, and oh. it was thick. Oh, so if you follow great. your AQIs, mm-hmm. and anybody who's listening to us who is not in a smoke zone, like maybe Pennsylvania or Ohio, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, AQI is the air quality index, mm-hmm. and up to 50 is not bad. You're still in the green. Yeah, uh, There, it was in the purple Whoa, I think it was 175 bad. or something like that. Yeah. And yeah. you you can't even see the Wasatch range. That's right. You don't even know. Um, yeah. Oh, my so God. So we, we, we drove in this smoky fog bank. Uh, and uh, we were so surprised when we got to Boise. It was like, wait, there's blue in the sky. Yeah. Because the smoke it's is not of, coming here. It's kind of cleared up a bit and through here, up yeah. here too, a little bit. So how's that big fire in your neighborhood? It's, uh, it's still going, but I mean, they've, so I've, I've learned a lot this year because of, uh, you know, when I hear percentage containment, I think that's how much it's close to being put out, right? So if I hear 90% contained, I'm thinking, oh, there's just this tiny little fire. No, it's still just as big, but it just means that they're, they're kind of controlling it, you know, so that. that yeah. You know. So it's, it's, I'm guessing, it, and I've never heard anybody explain this, but see if this is what you're thinking. Containment is imagine a circle around the fire. Yep. And 50% would mean it's a semicircle. Yep. 75% would be uh, three quarters of a circle. 90% leaves a 10, what is that? You know, a 36 degree gap in that circle. Yep. Where, okay. So so it could be 100% contained and still be a raging inferno inside. (laughs) Exactly. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Because essentially, 
you know, the, 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 the approach now for most fires, especially in areas where there's just not a ton of people is to just let it burn, let it but let's control it. You know, let's make sure we know we, we can tell it where to go essentially like direct it and guide it basically. So, and that's when they say percentage of containment, that's essentially meaning we're almost, we're basically this much in control of it. You know, kind of a, <laughs> kind of a, like, and, and you're talking about wind and sparks yeah. and flame and yep. the idea of control is yes, very, sir. very, um, it's a, ne- it's a nebulous concept. It but- is. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yeah. I control the weather. Yeah. I'm pretty good. <laughs> right. Uh, dude, Meteor- I just- Mete- meteorology. There's an M. Yeah. There we go. Well, so, uh, Craig, we actually, uh, all I can think about when you were talking about the rocket in your window, I thought of the insurance mayhem commercials. So there's an M. <laughs> you know, you, if you were in an insurance commercial, what is it all state? Then no, who does the mayhem? Is it? Uh, I don't know. I miss those. those are, they haven't been around for a yeah, while. It's been a while. But he would be on your windshield because he'd be the rock. You know, he'd, he'd hang on that windshield wiper. <laughs> yeah. He'd be like, I'm a rock that went through, just came down the road at 75 <laughs> miles an hour. Yep. So we That's covered right. mayhem. You talked about magic. Uh, motor Meteorolo- mis- meteorology meteorology motor mishaps wow we covered a lot of m's already all right hey so in <laughs> case anybody's wondering this is the m episode <laughs> we went m, with m not n m no. as in mayhem motor meteorological magic. mayhem magic beans magic math <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah we're not talking about math but we will talk about music, not necessarily us, but we do have an interview of uh, of a band that I and and the band has a name. The band is called Tayu, which stands for Thinking About You Underwater. All right, so there All you right. go. And if the if you should be able to hear their name, and you can probably imagine their music because they're very that name. I think matches their music quite well which is i think i described it to you craig already as like panic at the disco early 2000s so yeah that style that sounds good Mm -hmm. so we'll have we'll have some clips on the podcast yes uh as we transition into the interview there'll be one there and as i leave the interview there'll be one there too that's good that's good all right
should have gotten a notification that I'm recording. Didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's right. The man that, you know, Zoom has worked out all these crazy privacy kinks. And uh, so that's something kind of new. You have to approve to be recorded. So we're recording. Now, I have with me three members of the band Thinking About You Underwater, a fairly new band. I actually don't know how long you've been playing and practicing together. How long have you? Let's, let's start with origin stories. How did you become Thinking About You Underwater? What was the process of developing this this band? Let's start with the with you guys because you were you kind of pulled me in. So where where were you guys at before I came in? Uh, and well, state your name before you get going. This is uh, Wade speaking right now. Yeah. Hi. Um, so Nick and I have been playing in bands together for the past ten years, um, and so we we kind of took a break for a little while because uh, finding a place to practice and and members and just what we actually wanted to do was um it, it wasn't sure yet so we were just kind of playing playing around with ideas and um where it really started was actually about three or four years before we actually started Teyu. uh we are messing around with this with actually some of the same members. Uh, one of our new guitarists, uh, Manny, and our vocalist Grant. Uh, we were playing around ideas and whatnot, and then it just didn't work out, so we kind of threw it on the back burner. And, but uh, Nick and I started playing again, and we kind of repurposed one of my rooms, my house, for playing and practicing, so we could figure something out and. Um, we still didn't really have the idea of what we wanted to do. We were just kind of jamming out, seeing what we could figure out. And then uh, we asked Brandon to join because we were like, well, he plays bass. Let's see what he can do. See if he can, you know, chug along with us and keep up. And it's been obvious. It's been great ever since. I've, I'm glad that we asked him to join. Wow. That's awesome. What I'm hearing is Brandon is the magic glue. No, uh, it, it took me a while. He was saying, let's see if he can, uh, let's see if he can keep up. And it, it took me a little while. I had to kind of, I had been in bands and I've been playing bass for years. Um, but I never had really been like challenged. Um, and when I joined, you know, Wade and Nick, they had been playing music at a high level for a long time. So I kind of had to, um, try and catch up for, for a while. So when you, you say did. for a while, how long is for a while? What's like, how long before you're finally decided, all right, we need to lay down these tracks because we got it. Um, what we, we were writing those songs for like a year, right? Yeah, about a year, year and a half. Um, and then we, uh, we tried to record um, maybe a year ago and things weren't working out with uh, one of our guitarists. We kind of um, mutually parted um, and he was going to be the guy that produced the album um because we're you know, trying to do things diy um and then COVID hit and we sat around uh for a while and then we got back together and we said you know what we really the other the, the other guitarist his name's andy um we uh got back together and we we're like we still really like andy's such a cool guy to hang out with we call him up and see if he still wants to produce the album and uh he did and we uh oh, he nice. ended up joining us and it was cool because like he knew all the songs and um 
it was uh, um, it was a lot of fun producing with him. But we kind of had to get that awkward situation squared away and ended up, I think it's been like two years since we started writing the first song till now when that oh, comes nice. out. Okay. So Brandon, you're bass. Wade, what, what's your instrument in the band? Uh, I'm the guitarist, or at least okay. one of them now. Okay. And Nick? I play drums. I was going to say, Nick's got to be the drummer. Because Grant's a vocalist. Does Grant uh, also play any instruments as well? Uh, he plays keys. He plays keyboard. Nice. Okay, cool. Now, um, when I'm reading through on your social media, and, and I don't know who manages the accounts or anything, but you're kind of releasing some lyrics and a little bit of history and story behind the songs. I notice mm -hmm. on some of them, oh, maybe that's a surprise to, to some of you. I don't know. But uh, I notice on a couple of them, it mentions uh, one of the songs, and I can't remember which one, but it's like 10 years old and it had it been repurposed. So um, was Grant in a, a previous iteration of a band or and had released some of these songs back then or? Um, I'm trying to actually put my finger on what song you're referring to. I was, uh, I, I remember seeing that and I was surprised to, to hear it was that old. I remember seeing that post. Here's Grant. He's coming in. We'll ask him. Coming in. Oh, yeah. Most of this, uh, a lot of the creative direction in the band is, is, is Grant. Um, a lot of the, like the, all the lyrics, a lot of the, um, I mean, all the art, um, it's been a lot of stuff he's worked on for, for a long time. So some of this he's brought into this uh, relationship and then, yeah. Grant, are you with us? Maybe he's still getting his audio worked out. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can. Oh, is yeah. That Grant? Oh, oh, there right. we go. There is the sultry sounds of Grant on Zoom now. Grant, welcome. Hi. My How's name, it going? My name's my name's Cody. So Hi, Cody. I uh, we're jumping right in, and just a heads up: we don't um, we don't edit. So uh, w anything you say, I don't care. But you, you know, <laughs> if there's something you don't want to say, make sure you you think <laughs> first through before your your answer. But um, so Grant, I was asking uh, uh, Nick and Brandon and Wade here um, about one song in particular, and I can't remember the, the name, but uh, on the it's, social media, you've been, oh, Brandon, you got it? Yeah, it's Start. Ah. Start. start. And in your social media post, it's mentioned there that it actually is it's about 10 years old. And then I had to go through a little bit of a reworking. So I, I was asking them, were you in a previous iteration of a band where you do kind of work through some of these songs and updated in particular that one um so i used to just kind of make little like techno songs i guess like for fun and then um i kind of just had the idea up on new grounds like 10 years ago and then um when we were writing songs for Tayu, i kind of just brought it to the table because i liked it i don't know and everyone else liked it so we kind of originally it was a full song and then we kind of stripped it down to just being the acoustic okay. as well very cool do you um 
I was asking the fellows here, Nick and Brandon and uh, Wade about kind of your origin story as a band. And they were walking me through a little bit about how you all came together. But one question I have is how did you find the, uh, uh, the sound that you guys are producing? Was it something that like, okay, guys, this is what we want, fit it. Or was it something that kind of like organically grew out of who you are, your instruments, what you're proficient at, that type of thing? I think it was definitely a mix of like um, organic and also like, I guess the, the, set, the sound you hear on the album, that was, you know, all of us. And then like, you know, with Andy as well. Um, and as far as like, the general sound um a lot of like you know with the guitars like that's all Wade and so like him finding all the tones and stuff like you know that's all that's all Wade nice very cool now talk to me a little bit about the name here Tayu or thinking about you underwater walk me through the meaning of that particular name well uh I thought it sounded cool. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I, I don't remember exactly like when it, when I thought of it, I guess I just kind of like thought about it and I was like, Oh, that'd be a cool acronym. And then I kind of just like, I don't know, saved it on my, on my Google keep and then ended up going with it and created a, a logo and started putting on random like graphics and stuff and kind of just, evolved into the band i guess i don't know but i mean like we we weren't tell you before we started making music so okay that came a little like later i guess like with that i I was thinking through the the name this week a little bit maybe i'm maybe i thought about this way more than than it it does you know more than uh it requires but i thought (laughs) okay i thought about it in a couple different ways i thought okay it could be Thinking about you underwater could mean I'm underwater and I'm thinking about you. Or it could be I'm thinking about you being underwater, you know, more menacing. You know what I mean? It could be both. I don't know. Yeah, or it could be both. (laughs) Yeah, I was trying to pick it apart this week. Um, And it turns into a mood. (laughs) That's right. Exactly. That's where I went. Thank you for... (laughs) For a day of uh, spending in a, a morose spirit there. I appreciate it. Okay, so, um, <clears throat> Grant, one thing. Um, I'm not going to ask about, about personal meanings or anything behind the lyrics. I know that some of this is very personal, but I do want to ask about, um, you know, just the, the process of writing in general is very vulnerable. I mean, even if it's not super deep and super personal, just putting words out there, letting other people hear them. That takes a lot of vulnerability, but then it becomes heightened by this like way more personal uh, space that it, it appears these lyrics seem to come from. And so I yeah. wanted to ask you about uh, mentally, how do you how do you prepare to like, OK, now this is getting out there now because I'm just I, like I write, you know, I write every week. I'm, I'm a pastor, so I write sermons every week, but I also I do some poetry and stuff like that. And I mean, even just to show my wife who like, you know, we're close. I'm yeah. like, I get a little, you know, I get a little tension. I get a little emotion. And, uh, and so I'm trying to think a wider audience. How do you prepare mentally for like, okay, this is getting out there. <laughs> this is going to be put out there now. 
I guess I don't quite know yet. If I mean, like, because I mentally, <laughs> like, it's it's kind of just something that you know I wrote these lyrics and stuff, and like, like actually getting to write them, I kind of uh, just you know would jot down like cool lines that I thought was cool or whatever and like you know what I was feeling at the time and um and actually singing it out it's kind of like venting like band uh is kind of like you know uh, a place to I guess get out energy you know so a lot of that is is that I guess you know <laughs> I'm sure it's a, a big release yeah 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 uh wade or brandon or nick when you how how much did you all contribute to lyrics anyone add i mean uh, editing i'm sure but any of the other lyrics come from from you all um well not really i kind of let grant just i mean not let him but uh he always came up with so many good ideas that when he would show us stuff i would just be like well there it is like i don't want i don't i couldn't make anything better and i don't know what i would want to edit seeing that uh the lyrics are so cohesive cohesive with himself um and like situations that he's either in or things that he was going through or emotions that he wanted to express that it's like well i'm not gonna go through and proofread what you're feeling so uh, uh, you know wing it and if it sounds great then even better <laughs> well that actually leads me to uh, uh, another question so now you're they're not quote-unquote your lyrics but along the way have have you found like okay they've become now like they are you know, like you like do you connect with any of this in a, a deep emotional way and you're like yep this speaks exactly um, where i'm at some songs uh there there are there are a few they're, they're very i guess it would just be certain sections of songs maybe uh-huh. not whole songs um but some of them i do feel the emotion behind and um being friends with with all these guys and and being friends with grant for i don't know i guess 13 years now it's um just seeing some of the you know like grant's been there with me for a long time so um just seeing some of the things that we've lived through and and seeing some of those past things come up i'm like okay i remember i remember this time in our lives and i get where the emotion is coming from and so it does hit me in a weird way but it's not personal it's more of like uh you know i'm watching uh you know i'm reviewing (laughs) uh what we both lived through again in a personal way and then i get to see it happen you know in a positive as in he's you know now it's getting light shined on it and everyone's uh i guess enjoying it i i would i would hope they're enjoying it uh the weird thing i guess it would be is uh i'm waiting for the response of maybe some of these lyrics connecting with people and i haven't personally seen it or heard it but 
um, I'm sure there's going to be a time soon where someone connects in the same way mm-hmm. and that emotion's going to grow even more because now you've connected personally. Yep. Yep. So I'm waiting for that. <laughs> Very cool. I like it. There's so, a lot of like specific meanings to these, to these songs that like um, we might be uh, aware of, but um most of these songs before I knew the meaning before I was like, Hey Grant, what's this about? I had these ideas. Um, right. And I, um, I see the album as a bit of a concept album. There's a bit of a story to it. And um, a couple of times I've asked Grant about it um, and, be, and I'd be like, Oh, is this where like this happens in the story? And he's like, I guess. Sure. <laughs> and so like I've <laughs> built this narrative for this whole album um, in my in my mind my myself as like i'm kind of a uh, a spectator on the the lyrics and how the how the songs progress through the story in my own brain that um that i sometimes do with like artists that like not bands that i'm in right i'll do that with you know a, a different a different album um and kind of make up my own story so it's fun to uh, to realize I'm doing that with like a band that I'm actually in and I'm like totally taking the real meaning of these songs and purposing it for my own thing that I that I like so there's a lot of great themes in the in the lyrics that you can really like wherever you're at you can use them is they're yeah. really some like universal universality to it for sure yeah yeah because when I, I I noticed when I was reading through the just a few social media posts where there's a little bit of explainer about uh, some of the songs that I was like oh oh yeah okay yeah that makes sense that's not what I was thinking you know but also at the same time what I was thinking also absolutely made sense for me and where you know where I am and what I'm going through so absolutely that's the that's the uh, heartbeat of art right there my friend you put it out there it becomes hopefully it becomes the people who are listening and engaging it becomes part of them you know So uh, let me ask you guys uh, this: the you you touched on this just barely right before Grant hopped in, the uh, the pandemic. How how did that shape the uh, the band and in, in your direction? Did it stall it? Did it speed it up? Did you re- guys go, hey, we could be dead in two weeks? Let's do this, kind of a thing. Um, I don't. Def- it didn't really stall us. Go go ahead, Grant. Oh, sorry. I was going to say we uh, like we we paused for, you know, like the lockdown and all that. But um, and as far as like practicing, when we started to kind of come back in, you know, we were all prepared and like distancing and masked and all that. And so um, I, I guess it didn't really stall us. It well, it stalled us a little bit, but it wasn't like um super i guess detrimental to the album itself but yeah i think it definitely pushed back some of our um like our timelines i think we were gonna weren't we gonna be in the studio in like the spring didn't we plan on doing that yeah i think we did but uh... and then we kind of had to push pause and back it up and there was a lot, a lot of question marks, and I, I mean, that I think everything turned out really great in the end. But we, it, it was a, I don't know, I, I would, I would say it, um, you know, it stalled us a little bit. I also think um, 
we ended up like still working on these songs well after they were pretty well done. <laughs> yeah. And uh, that means I think that they're like, they are probably the best version of these songs that we could possibly have put out. And I'm really happy about that. But it also was kind of like, at a certain point, we got this feeling like, okay, we're like ready to go. Um, and we felt like stuck and like, wh what do we do now? Like, we got to get in and record, but we keep coming in here and playing these same songs over and over again. Um, I, I felt like it was, it was kind of a tough time. There were a few times for me that I was like, we're, you know, we're going through these songs, we're, we're picking out the tiniest little details and changing things. And they were great. And then there were times where I was like, uh, are we changing too much? Like, are we, were we at a hundred percent? And now like we've changed so much that now they're starting to decline, but we don't know that because we're in the moment. We're like, yeah, that sounds great. Like, uh, if a song sounds good on its own songwriter wise uh you know you don't know what the highest point of it is for every person uh you know uh, a radio hit that you hear every day could be written completely different and you wouldn't know by be mm. just being a listener and that's the part i was kind of worried about is like uh, well if we keep changing stuff will it even sound uh, close to what we even began and if it is if it doesn't then is that what we want <laughs> mm. it's like so well it's let's like... just let's just solidify this practice yeah. it the way it is and call it and hopefully it be <laughs> the way we want it to be and then even then we still went to go record and in the process of recording we're like uh let's change this part <laughs> and it's so it never ends it's it's always a right. process until it's fully written down and well, then you're kind of like well i hope that's the best <laughs> yeah, way it's like, i hope this is the best yeah yeah the, so the extra time almost was just like uh because you have the time tinker 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 and oh no yeah, yeah. <laughs> was yeah. it done a few adjustments ago or does it need a few more like yeah. how long mm. can we go with this one song or the <laughs> other 10 songs like <laughs> it could it could go forever before you just decide yeah this is good i think this is good i hope this is good <laughs> and oh, uh, wow. a lot of the times too like the the, some of the best songs were the ones that came out like real quick and didn't need a lot of tinkering. And you, you'll hear a lot of bands talk about that too. Like if it's um, there's some great songs that took a lot of work and then there's some that just, they came right out. Like I think yeah. violent, for example, is one of our favorite songs. Um, and it, if I remember right, it pretty much is the same from when we wrote it. Mm. We, I don't think we changed yeah, that, very much of that song. There, yeah, I think there's some texture stuff that we've added, but it, yeah. the structure and, and the way it sounds, it's it's pretty much the way we wrote it from, from when it came out for us. Um, the song that really, which is funny because it's the first song that came out, um, Tsunami didn't sound anywhere near what it sounds like today. Uh, it kind of sounded like a slow, like Goo Goo Dolls, uh, like Third Eye Blind type song. And uh, it was slow and kind of like, like at first we loved it because it was all we had. It was song one. So it's like, oh, this is great. This is going to be really cool. And then you start writing five more songs and you're like, man, song one kind of blows. <laughs> like, <laughs> 
uh so we completely like took that song and we we're like let's speed it up let's make it let's let's rock it out a little bit more and now it's become like like a fan favorite i guess from people i've heard listen to the album it's and it's the first song we put out it's uh-huh. it's yeah it's like the most uh i guess i'd say it's the most rocking of the songs <laughs> it's it's the quickest it's the most in your face um yeah it's a good introduction. that that right there was like one of those uh you know one of those things that needed to happen that if you would have just sat on we wouldn't have known that's good now uh so do you have you you've not played any live shows yet is that is that correct that's correct do you have any coming up do you have plans uh, for any? Not, Can you even have live shows in Oregon right now? <laughs> yeah, I think that's the question. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, no live shows coming up yet. Um, we've had a few. Op- we've had a couple offers, I think, or a offer, but we're uh, we're working on a new guitarist right now. Our our new guitarist Manny, and he's he's got to learn the the ins and outs of the album, which is probably a lot of pressure, seeing that it's not you know um he didn't get to write it with us so he didn't get to learn the process he just gets handed you know music and goes learn this and and learn it good (laughs) (laughs) and it better sound like this (laughs) yeah exactly actually actually, that's that's a a good question though that's a good question though now that manny's coming in do you expect there to be i mean you hope it'll sound a lot like what's on the album but is there also an expectation manny will add you know like not an expectation, but I mean, like an understanding, you know, Manny will probably add his own little flavor or twist to it. Or, or is it just, no, stick to this, Manny. Um, I'm hoping he sticks to the, you know, the <laughs> curriculum. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I'm guessing that, I mean, with any musician, they will always add their own, you know, their own flavor to it, which, sure. which is fine. You know, it's, it's, there's nothing we could really do about that and if if he feels comfortable in doing that and we all enjoy it then you know more power to him because yeah this is now a part of his project also like he's part of it so um if he feels like he wants to do something in a way that benefits everyone then then you know do it (laughs) that's awesome Yeah. yeah well and plus you know being part of a band i'm sure he also will understand like hey you know a, a little bit of okay you, that's good but maybe stick to this yeah yeah, I mean, yeah yeah hopefully he's not a diva right no no not no. at all no. i don't think uh, any he, of us are <laughs> yeah he's a bit of a songwriter uh himself too so who knows when it comes to um you know writing whatever comes after this um uh that that'll be like definitely we'll be looking for his input because because uh, he's got a lot of skills there but awesome you know we worked on these songs for so long like but like we said, like how, how much more like changing it up can can we really do? Right. So, are there plans for? Uh, are you already working on the next project? What's? Do you have extra songs in the bag that didn't make it to this onto this uh, album? There are, I'd say, like two to three songs that 
that could shift album two. And then I think there are a good amount of songs or a few songs that Manny has brought to the table with Grant um, that these three have worked on, or I guess four have worked on without me. Um, in March, in this last March, I kind of, I, I took a, like a hiatus from music. Uh, it was a lot to deal with and um, it kind of hit me hard and I just needed, was like, well, I gotta, I gotta stop. Like this is yeah. mentally uh, not good. So mm. I took a break and they, uh, they got Manny in when I was absent and they started writing stuff. So there's, there's things that now that I'm back, there's kind of like there's songs that we wrote while the recording process was being done that we were kind of like, well, there's, this could be album two type stuff. And then there's things where when I was gone, now there's things that they've written or wrote. And uh, those could be, you know, both, both uh, chunks of music could be slammed together and make a new, a new sound for Tayu. Or we could just go back to the old process and be like, all right, album two, like sit here and do it for another three, you know, two to three years and then just keep doing it. It's, uh, it's kind of up in the air, I think right now, but there are a few songs that could shift the way Tayu moves forward. Nice. Very cool. All right. So just to remind everyone who at this point in the recording, I'm talking to the band Tayu or thinking about you underwater. I'm here with Wade, Brandon, Nick, and uh, Grant. <clears throat> and uh, they're talking about their first album. Then, okay, so here, let me ask, how can people find your music or connect with your work? How can they follow along with the journey? Uh, thinkingaboutyouunderwater.com. It should direct okay. you to a link tree. Mm. Perfect. And you're set up on, uh, I think, Bandcamp. I bought the album there. I know. Are there other ways people can uh, purchase? I believe um, Apple Music. Okay. But I'm not totally sure if it's up for sale. I think it is. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right. Now, before I send you all on your merry ways, uh, first of all, thank you so much for joining me. And uh, I know, Grant, you're at work. They, they let me know. So you're, <laughs> you, <laughs> I'm going to let you get out of here so I don't get you fired because that would be, you know, I mean, it'd be great fodder for the next uh, set of songs. You could write about how a podcast costs you your job. But uh, <clears throat> anyway, I do want to close with I have Every time we have guests on, we ask five questions. These are our closing five questions, all right? This is the hot seat. Are you ready for this? Maybe. All right. Maybe. Now, I expect, <laughs> I expect an answer from everyone, including you, Nick. You haven't chimed in for a while. The drummer, man, the drummer just hangs back, doesn't he? He's just kind of like, he, he, lets it explode <laughs> on the, he lets it explode on the, on the instrument. All right, so here are the five questions. Ready? Question number one. What are you drinking? So what's your go-to drink? What do you tell everyone? Hey, if you have one drink before you die, this has got to be the drink. Or it could just be literally what you're drinking right now if you have a drink with you. Right now I'm drinking iced coffee from Starbucks. In like the, right. the big old like plastic jug. Uh, but like... <laughs> The go-to is like Baja Blast or what used to be uh, Pepsi Blue. 
and then they brought oh, it back. Oh, yeah. Oh, I love it. All right. That was Grant. Who's next? Uh, as of right now, I'm just drinking water. Uh, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't really. I stopped drinking coffee a little bit ago. But yeah. Was, there a, was that a, a personal health choice? Was that? Uh, I guess you could call it a morning gut choice. <laughs> <laughs> Personally, I like that morning gut. Um, and so I, I have a I have a cup of black coffee or two every morning with my uh, toaster waffle with peanut butter and jelly. It's kind of a combo. I know you asked like what I'm drink. drinking, not what I'm eating. But every single morning I have that and it has gets to me go with going. it. I love yeah. it. And Nick, what are you drinking? Drink water. I drink water all is. day. All day. That's right, buddy. I do I do a gallon a day myself. So there you go. Kind yes, of sir. Me. Yes, sir. <laughs> all right. Question number two. What are you reading? So it could be a, a, a an online blog that you think everyone should check out, a magazine article, a magazine, or it could be a book that you're checking out right now. What what are you reading? <laughs> Not a lot uh, of readers here. No, I, I really don't read. I don't uh, I don't take in much literature. Okay. Uh, How about a, uh, a, a you could be uh, somebody you follow, a, a Twitter handle, a uh, oh, what else is out there? I don't know. <laughs> Mm, no i mean <laughs> i'm not i'm not reading i don't i don't read I, okay I wayne think. is not a reader no all right the rest of you need to come up with some suggestions for wade so what are you reading reddit um <laughs> reddit posts reddit That's posts read. love it what's i don't your, read either uh, what's your favorite reddit uh, uh subreddit Ooh. um i mean there's a lot uh, I like the subreddit interesting as frick um, and like gosh I don't know there's there's too many to, to even say <laughs> <laughs> but interesting as frick that's good okay I'll check that one out that's Grant Brandon come on buddy redeem the band uh, well you see <laughs> um, so we just I mean we just finished reading Lord of the Rings with my uh, with my son uh, and I'm, I'm super into that, but I can't really say I'm like reading it right now. Um, I've got the new edition of Jacobin magazine sitting on my coffee table waiting. For there it is. Wrap it. Um, mm -hmm. So that's that's pretty that's pretty much that's it. I like it. For Nick, Twitter, what are you reading? Facebook. Uh, I guess I'll go ahead and plug my buddy, Dan, uh, Daniel Austin, the way of the vegan meathead. Mm. Uh yeah, it's all about vegan nutrition and getting vegan gains and uh, powerlifting, strength training. It's a, it's a good book if uh, you want to build some muscle and not eat animals. So That's awesome, actually. So, uh, Nick, thank you. Because actually, this last, so I, I've been on a weight loss journey, and a part of that is, uh, is lifting weights. I've lost about 100 pounds, but I've yeah, been nice. lifting a lot of weights, but I have to do a ton of protein. And yeah. last week, my wife was like, I think we really should start going uh, more vegetarian or vegan. And I was like, how am I going to do that? So thank you. Cool. Check it, check it out. The way of the vegan meathead. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Question number three. What are you watching? 
So it could be what you're binging on Netflix. It could be a great documentary you think everybody should watch. It could be a YouTube channel you think everyone should check out. What are you watching? Hmm. Well, uh, I've been Brotherhood. Oh, sorry. <laughs> well, what what'd you watch? Uh, right now I'm watching through Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood again. Nice. Uh, it's just a really good anime that everyone should watch if they like good shows. Even if they don't like anime, I feel like it's it hits the spot. I mean, yeah. Full Metal Alchemist. Okay, that was Grant. On uh, on Wade's suggestion, I uh, I just started watching The Righteous Gemstone. <laughs> Cody, have you seen this? No. Okay, it's uh, you, it's kind of right up your alley, I think. It's um, like a church, a mega church uh, family, um, oh, well, getting into all sorts this. of shenanigans. Yes. Okay. So. I'll check out the I, that's what I just finished. That's what I just finished. So <laughs> I think I'm four <laughs> episodes in. Is it on? Uh, what's it on? Yeah. HBO. What is it on? Yeah. Yeah, H- it is uh, HBO. Is it HBO? Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Okay, that was Brandon. The Righteous Gemstones, and I guess Wade, or Wade, do you have another one to throw in there? Uh, yeah, I, I just started The Office for the eighth yes. time. <laughs> so there's a lot of there's a lot of downtime at work. Uh, I guess not downtime. There's just when you're not needed, you're kind of like, oh, I have time to, you know, watch <laughs> watch a few episodes, and uh, yeah, I feel like I go through like a season a day. Like, oh wow, <laughs> yeah, so. <laughs> And it's just on in the background, and I've seen it yeah. so many times. But there's there's just so many episodes that you start to catch your eye and go, "Oh my god, Gold. this is just too funny. Gold. This is just too good." One of my most uh, one of my favorite storylines. I don't know if it's underrated or not, but I I notice a lot. Most people don't mention it as one of their favorites, but probably my favorite is when uh, Michael Scott starts his own paper company, and <laughs> uh, the but like you really get like I love it because it's the, it's the end the ending where he's like we're complete you know and he's just honest we're broke but I'll tell you what I will never I will keep going and I will start a new company I'll start a new company and you get like that's where like you really get the goodness of Michael Scott's uh, character you know what I mean yeah no. I love it all right Nick what are you watching just finished a, a documentary on netflix called a fantastic fungi um it's great i encourage you all to check it out it's about me i'm a fantastic (laughs) fun fun guy guy Uh uh-huh i I, uh, yeah i mean you do seem like a you do your hair does look like a little bit of a mushroom right now so getting a cut this afternoon yeah there it is all right and uh let's see question number four what are you listening to? So it can be new music you think people should check out, old music. It could be a podcast you think everyone should listen to, a uh, radio station or, uh, you know, whatever. What are you listening to? I'll just get this out of the way. Um, it's weird. And I think some of the other guys might say the same. Um, I don't really listen to music. <laughs> mm. Um like I love music and when I hear it, it can move me. Um, like Dave Bazan and me without you are like, um, you know, I, oh, I yeah. keep them in my heart. Um, but I just don't, I don't know. I don't really listen to it. So I listen to a lot of podcasts, a lot of lefty podcasts, a lot of, um, uh, critical role, the dungeons and dragons. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. Playing. yeah. 
podcast. I've got one on here called the Prancing Pony podcast. It's about Lord of the Rings. Um, <laughs> and it looks like I got a few that came out I need to catch up on. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Love it. Some podcasts from Brandon there. Uh, so recently I've been listening to a lot more like alternative country, or I guess you'd say, uh, like Midwest sound. Okay. Uh, which is odd. Cause I don't, uh, I don't know. That's not something that I would, you know, years ago, I see myself listening to, but, uh, right. uh a lot of Katie Pruitt, uh, yes. Rustin Kelly and, um, if I do go to listen to stuff that I, I guess I would, you know, uh, kind of vibe with as in Teu, uh, the new main album is really good. Okay. Really good. Like really good. And I'm excited oh. for, uh, the new killers album. So okay. I'm, I'm waiting for that. That's what I'm waiting for. But while Love I it. wait, I will listen to some, you know, Midwest, uh, alternative country or Love it. Or some, uh, Very you know, indie rockers. <laughs> Very cool. I was Wade. Uh, there's a new album from a band called Lakes that I've been on repeat uh, called Start Again. And it's like emo, like Midwest emo. Um, they're really good. I love it. Okay, Lakes. So much good stuff from the Midwest. <laughs> <laughs> it's really just an untapped reservoir, isn't it? It really is. It really is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That was Grant with Lakes. And Nick. What are you listening to? Oh, I guess I'll have to go with Valley Maker. He's great. Yeah, he just put out a new album. It's folk, indie type Love stuff. It. It's great. Right in my alley. Love it. Fantastic. All right, Nick with Valley Makers. Okay, final question, number five. You've almost made it. Uh, you all are, uh, you all live around the Eugene area, correct? Is that right? All right. Uh, mm-hmm. Right. All right. Question number five. I show up in Eugene unexpectedly. Where are you personally taking me to dinner? Oof. <laughs> Cafe Yum. <laughs> Cafe Yum. Okay. Grant says Cafe Yum. But that got some laughs. Why did it get laughs? Because it's so uh, good. Because I, <laughs> I, I know that Grant loves Cafe Yum. <laughs> <laughs> It's all, it's also pretty Eugene. It's you know avocados and like nutritional yeast, that kind of thing. It's great. Ground it's up like a very Eugene answer. What was that, Nick? Ground up Birkenstocks. Birkenstock <laughs> <laughs> Athens. I love it. A, a, a Birkenstock smoothie. That's awesome. All right, what else? Where are you taking me? Cafe Yum, what dinner one night? What else? Hmm. I, I don't know. It's pretty tough. Um, yeah, yeah. I used to go. I used to go to a, a place that had some pretty good barbecue, um, but then their uh, their like owners were like holding Proud Boy meetings at their. Uh, oh no! So I can't go there anymore. Aren't they all? Aren't they all? uh shoot let's just go to i'll take you to el super taco they got a um they got a killer uh hamburger meal if you want that but of course they're uh they're burritos you can get a big old burrito twice the size of your stomach for five bucks oh nice dang i love it i I was thinking about saying something like that that sounds (laughs) 
All right. So, Brandon's taking me El Super Taco. Wade, where are you taking me? Oh, man. I really don't know. Or you can make me something at home, too. That would probably be a lot easier. (laughs) There you go. All right. Um, What what you feed me? Hmm. Wade makes the best chili. Oh, there you go. That's true. I could make you chili. Yeah. I love it. Make you some chili. I love it. Okay, what what's what makes Wade's chili so special, so much better? It's love. <laughs> there it is, the secret ingredient. I love it. Or to quote The Office, it's to what is it? What does he say? I think he says something about the onions. <laughs> <laughs> oh, As he man. spills it, <laughs> spills it everywhere. All right, Nick, where where are you taking me, or what are you making me? Oh, I think everyone already knows this. Uh I take my friends to Govinda's. Yeah. yeah. I was going to yeah. say that just to cut you off, but I decided to let you keep it. I, I was like, I'm not going to say it. I'll save it for him. because All that vegan Hare cool. Krishna, this guy named David, has been running Govinda's. He's been making Hare Krishna style, you know, food and offerings since he was like uh, 18 years old. He's been a devotee and he's 60 something now. So, Oh, awesome. Govinda's, River Road. Very cool. Up. And they they've like never raised the prices either. You go in nope. there for dirt cheap and get a great meal. Oh, that's awesome! You no, know, that's uh, you know, that's always gonna get me. <laughs> Brandon's the cheapskate. I love it. Okay, <laughs> very cool, guys. Thank you so much for joining me and sharing a little bit about Tayu. And uh, super excited to see what future uh, projects come come with and I'm vibing on the new the, the debut album I sure appreciate you guys thank you for joining me thanks thank brother for having us enjoy the rest of your day Grant I'm sorry I cost you your job but uh, <laughs> you know you did, it was holding you back anyway so <laughs> I'm kidding I don't know no comment no, <laughs> no comment <laughs> alright see y'all later guys
so we got we've got an M episode. Do we have an M uh, list of conversation topics? Yeah, we want to. Uh, we've Craig and I. We've already kind of tackled mental health. I don't know if we want to re-record that or not, or uh, use what we've already done. But uh, Craig tried to talk to me from the road after picking <laughs> up his vehicle from Safe Flight, but yeah, it didn't go so well. I was so surprised how uh, many dead spots there are <laughs> in Flagstaff. I mean, Flagstaff's a city of 70,000 people. Yeah. It's not a small town. Yeah. <laughs> but you did say you went through a kind of a valley, a concrete yeah. valley, I guess. Well, I call it a concrete valley because the uh, the uh, the concrete canyon, yeah. the, the buildings are what, three stories tall at the most? Oh, yeah. You yeah, know. yeah. Uh, but yeah, I don't know why I couldn't penetrate. It's, oh, well. <laughs> it was rough. But, but we did, we talked about it a little bit, mental health. We talked about Simone Biles, Naomi Osaka a bit, what athletes are facing as pressure. Craig, you shared, I did get a little bit of this in the recording, your perspective as a coach and what you're learning. We just reiterate that real quick. Oh, I probably don't even know what I was talking about. about Yeah, pressure and expectations. Yep. Yeah. I mean, well, just uh, especially when it comes to not so much the performance themselves. I mean, they enjoy what they do. My athletes have fun. You know, where the pressure is really on is where somebody feels like their performance is going to make a difference in their future. Oh, and and as a coach, one of the main things I try to do is I. I want to teach them to be physically fit, lifetime fitness. Here's a, here's something that's fun to do. Um, I also want them to feel good about what they do, that they, they have, they, pr- they produce something of excellence, yep. uh, you know, as much as they're capable of. And then you get some of these athletes who they are, they, they can continue their education and running will pay for part or even all. Yep. And it's really hard because at that point, running can or any athletic activity can no longer can move from this place of I, f- I have fun producing something of excellence to I'm not in the moment anymore. I'm worried about what's going to happen, yep. What, yep. what's going to happen in the future. Um, thinking about that, Carla and I were watching, uh, we, we binged through a Netflix series, Atypical. Ooh. And it's about a, a family with um, one of the one of the children in the family. <clears throat> the one who's considered atypical is on the, on the spectrum and, you know, some of the challenges he, he faces, but he has this sister who is uh, an excellent track athlete. Oh, wow. And so she's at this meet that she's been preparing for and she's all excited about, and she's kind of anxious about it because UCLA is in the stands wanting to recruit her. And uh, yeah, they're down to the blocks thing I hate about TV shows is they were in the blocks wrong, wearing the wrong shoes and the wrong positions. <laughs> anyway, uh, Those but details, the, the, details the story was you. good. And, you know, set go, the gun goes off. And this girl with all this pressure, she, she just stood up in the blocks and turned around and walked away. Ooh. Just, But it was that point where that pressure becomes so heavy that these kids can't carry it. And high school athletes shouldn't have to do that. Right. Uh, I, I talked with a college coach uh, a couple of months ago down in Arizona when I was down there, and he was talking about some of the uh, perspectives on recruiting. And he was talking about he wants kids who can learn excellence. He said the school across town, which is Arizona State University, mm-hmm. the, and 
some of the other D1 schools close by, they want excellence when you get there. They're they're not there to develop the athlete. They're there to showcase the athlete. They don't do the work. The coaches don't do the work of creating a good athlete. And this coach was saying, that's our job. We want somebody to come here that we can work with. They don't have to perform right out of the right, you know, right from their freshman year. We develop good athletes. And and while I was there having the conversation, I had just missed one Olympic athlete. uh, uh, And there were three other Olympic athletes there working out. It's like, okay, you're, you talk about producing excellence. uh, You've got it here. Here it is. Yep. Um, And you know, so it's, it's these, these perspectives that these kids have to bear that I think is just, it's unfair. And it, and it, uh, I think that happens not just in track. I know it happens in football. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. It happens. It happens in the big three, you know, football, basketball, baseball. Yep. Uh, and it's, to me, it's, it's, it's not good for coaching because it lets coaches reap somebody else's work rather than develop something. And then they get all the glory. And it puts too much pressure on the kids. Well, and then um, they're just not prepped because the kids, them, so I'm saying the, the coaches aren't prepped to then handle because the kids, as much as we want them to, as we want from that perspective, as much as you want them to be a finished product already, they're not. Right. So, but if you're going in with that mindset of they're already a finished product, then you're just not ready to handle well, when I- they're not, when they have something they're yeah. going to have to work through. So, And I think part of that's mental health because of the yep. pressure and the anxieties these kids carry. And uh, I've had conversations with athletes who you know have potential, but then the pressure is too great. Too much. Uh, they, they basically like, you know, with, with their choices and their life, they steer the car off the road because they're just too anxious. Yep. Uh, and they just have to pull up. Mm. Um, kind of like that girl in this, in the story sure. from atypical, she just has to pull up. I, I can't carry this pressure. Yep. Um, and then that creates another cycle of disappointment and shame. I didn't fulfill my parents' expectations. I didn't fulfill mine. I had a choice. You become uncle Rico, you know, in, uh, Napoleon dynamite. <laughs> See that mountain. Yeah. I, I could have, I could have, I could have done that. You know, I, I could have been that person. Coach would have put me in. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so good. Well, I think of like, um, okay. So to me, then I'm looking at folks like, okay, Kevin Love actually is a really good example because Kevin Love is one of the first um, in the big three that spoke out about his own mental health. And it was a long time ago and it was kind of under the radar because, you know, it wasn't like a big, you know, huge, but uh, he did kind of talk about it. And now in retrospect, I don't know if you saw this, Dwayne Wade the other day sent an apology, apologized to Kevin Love because uh, he was on the Cavaliers for just a little bit. And right. when he was there, he was hard on Kevin Love because, you know, he wasn't meeting his expectations of what Kevin Love should be bringing to the table. And he yeah. didn't know that he was actually in that moment going through a uh, a, a mental... <laughs> you know, a deal. So yeah. I apologize to him. And, uh, I don't know. Yeah. Gosh, what if, okay, here's what you're talking about here. just made me think. Okay. Simone Biles, we're talking, we've been talking about her. Mm-hmm. She, she has already met expectations. 
did that make it easier for her in this moment to make her decision? Do you think? Because she's like, I've already yeah. climbed that yeah. hill. I've I'm I've reached the peak of the mountain. So now I work with athletes at a much uh, more commonplace level, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? <laughs> but those who are really competitive, mm-hmm. uh, those who really enjoy what they're doing, yeah, you know, they're if, if, if they, if they thrive on the competition and they thrive on the, the skill that you're working on, you know, they'll go far yeah. and they'll meet expectations. But I would wonder what I, I've, I've never had a kid who fulfills expectations because that's what they do. They're, they're expectation fillers. Okay. Um, and I think Simone Biles became, she was almost not an athlete. She was other people's expectation filler. She yeah. was the sure bet. She was, you know, if you were putting money on her, she would, she, that, that, that'd be the one to bet on. Right. And it goes away from the competition. It goes away from the skill. Yep. Um, and so the, the, in fact, I mean, it, it seems as if the, the feedback that she was getting or that I was hearing was she was letting people down because people had expectations of her performance. Right. If people had expectations of an athlete's love of doing what they do, um, enjoying what they do and building their own skill level to, to, you know, excel, I think it'd be a whole different thing. Yeah. Um, but that's not, that's not where, where a lot of the commentators or the haters were. (laughs) Yeah. Um, they were like, we wanted you to do this for us. Hi. Well, and that was a lot of the people for your country. How would you let, how dare you let your country down? Which, and I think you and I talked about this. It was an, it honestly, it was a no win situation for her in this regard, because had she pushed through and, you know, a big part of it was literally physically, she couldn't do it because of the mental thing that was going on. And she would have stumbled. She did stumble. She would have, yeah, she could have been seriously injured. Yeah. So, um, she, it was a no win situation in that regard because had she forced through it, she would have been, she would not have been at her peak. So she would have lost. And then right. the talk would be, well, you knew that you couldn't perform. Why didn't you, why did you keep doing it? You know, yeah, why so, didn't you make room for one of the others? Yeah. 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 So there yeah. was a no win. So I think she did the best. I, in that regard, she actually, uh did win you know in the, the sense know. of like mentally she won out she did because that's hard i i you know, she it, is a competitor you know and does want to always perform and win that's who she is you know she wants to do the best all the time so mentally to say i'm not there right now that's tough that's tough. when you are, are are your kids in sports yeah they do karate okay do they do it competitively yep they do tournaments okay mm-hmm and then um, do they, do you catch yourself seeking that they fulfill your expectations? <laughs> yeah, sometimes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. For sure. Um, that's rough. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And so, and as a parent of adult children, it doesn't stop. It just, the event just changes. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yep. Yeah. It's so true. Well, so I think I the thing it. about mental health, though, part of this going back is one of the one of the choices I had when I was pursuing my doctorate. I had I had two paths I could go on because of my my uh, undergrad and graduate work. 
I could go into organizational leadership for business and get a doctorate there. I thought, okay, there's a lot more money in business. That's what I'll do. <laughs> yeah. And so now we're just, you know, raking it in. Um, <laughs> and the other direction that I s- still wish I could have taken, uh, and maybe, who knows, maybe I will, sports psychology. Yes. Yep. Yes. And you know, some of the mental health issues are significant, significant issues of mental illness, you know, and, and that's one path that needs to be, um, coaches need to be aware of, um, you know, that a mental health issue means there might be issues in performance. Yep. You know, there may be, uh, hills and valleys. Yep. Um, and there's also ways to, to a certain degree, manage that, be aware of it and, and, and handle that. Yep. But the other one is just general mental well-being. Yes. And uh, one author who I really, really, two authors actually, but one author that I really enjoy reading and she has a, uh, I don't know if she still does, but she's had a uh, um, column in Psychology Today. And her name is Cian Baylock, I think it is, spelled S. I-A-N or S-I-A-N, I can't remember, Baylock. And she wrote a book called Choke. Oh, man. And, and she, she um, has a lot of interesting um, research on psychological, the psychology of peak performance. Oof. And toward the beginning of the book, she asks the question, why does the, the professional golfer, when he's got an 18-inch putt, why does he miss that? Yep. You know, why does the, why does the professional basketball player, when she's at the free throw line, she misses that shot that she has done thousands and thousands of times and probably could do with her eyes closed. Yep. You know, so what happens in that moment between, you know, um, considering the, what needs to be done and the execution of that act. And she goes through these mental processes. Oh, wow. And, uh, you know, there's a little, um, you know what a yip is? Yep. Uh-huh. Yeah. So there's like this little yip sometimes and it just becomes habitual and it needs to be, you know, worked on. But all that while it just, it weighs on this, these athletes because yep. they're not being able to do what they thought they should do. And it begins to tear down and just, yep. it, um, it, um, snowballs. Yep. Uh, but that was a really good book, uh, choke. Ooh, and then the good. other one by, I think it's maybe Angela Duckworth. I'm not sure if that's the correct name. But she wrote a book called Grit. Yes. Yep. And uh, it's not only a great book. But I, I wanted to buy a bunch of copies and give them away to coaches because I think it's okay. a great book for coaches. But it's also a great book for, for parenting. Oof. And not just parenting athletes, but just parenting kids. Yeah. You know, you want these kids to have grit. Uh, she tells a story about these kids in high school who uh, excel at academic performance because they want to go to the military academies. Yep. There's another M M uh, <laughs> there military, go. military academies, but they, um, so all their emphasis is building up that, that capacity grade wise to go to the military academy before they begin their freshman year, they have to go through a boot camp. Mm. And she was saying that so many of these, uh, students who excelled all through high school, they were, you know, shining stars. They can't make it through boot camp. They didn't develop grit. Right. And so there's, I think she said there's up to half of them don't make it through the boot camp to actually become students at, in the military academies. And it's their, their emphasis, their teacher's emphasis, maybe their parents' emphasis has been get the grades, get the grades, get the grades. It hasn't been pick yourself up when you fall. That's right. 
Yeah, right. this 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 is how you persevere. Um, yeah. And uh, anyway, so two really I think oh, interesting books that awesome. would be great for parents and coaches to read. Um, That's good. Oh, love it. Very cool. Good discussion there on that. All right, I like it. We made uh, a mountain out of the molehill that we started with of uh, marvelously. <laughs> just yeah. Ah, man. Yeah. I think, speaking of another M, yes. I know I've been talking a lot, but You're good. I read another M this morning. Oh, oh, what is it? Do you know what a micromort is? <sighs> no. <laughs> What's a micromort? <laughs> it stuck in my head because my brother, when he was in high school, was called Minimort. Minimort. Okay. <laughs> uh, because he was a small basketball player that oh. forced turnovers. And anyway, he was also called the Nat, uh, but oh, he was called that. Minimort. That's cool. Um, but a micromort is how many deaths per million? It's micro uh, mortality. Oh, micro mortality. Okay. okay. And and there's a website. Oh, that's interesting. That I threw on Facebook this morning, so I wouldn't forget it. But now I forgot its name, and it begins with an M. <laughs> um, but what they do is you can go into this website, and okay. you can put in your uh, location. Okay. Some of your, you know, the kind of things you do, you know, yes. your practices. Oh yeah. Okay. And it will project the uh, chances of you uh, contracting COVID and becoming oh one of those micro morts. So it's called micro, micro COVID, uh, micro COVID.org. COVID.org. Oh my God. And it's really nothing about the disease as such. It's just a bunch of statisticians who hack the numbers from, you know, reputable sources. Uh, and oh, you can find out, you know, how do you handle the grocery store? You know, do you, do you, are you vaccinated? Do you wear a mask or not wear a mask? Are you around people who don't wear a mask? How are you outside? And all this kind of stuff. Ask oh. you questions. And then it'll give you, like, I was rating, I went through it and I rated uh, 45% chance of, of contracting the disease if oh, I were God. not vaccinated. Oh, okay. Oh, so, uh, but, but it's like, you know, it's, it was just because the other practices I engage in. Oh, that is hilarious. Okay. So, so far, think, I'm, <laughs> I'm already just by my location. I'm already at 50% high risk. <laughs> okay. Let's see here. Uh, which vaccine I received Pfizer two doses. Yeah. How many people are usually within 15 feet of you at any given time? Yeah. Oh my gosh. How long is that tuning for? Okay. Oh, their vaccine. Are they fully vaccinated? Odds are no. Yeah, in our region, chances are known. <laughs> oh my gosh, that jumped it up to 100%. <laughs> Holy, oh, their mask, no mask. Okay, your mask, cloth, thick. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Wow. This says how to reduce your risk, modify your activities, wear the best mask you can give it, visit less public places. Okay. <laughs> that is hilarious. So uh, I mean, I read about, not hilarious. Ahead. What's the word? I'm like, I don't know. Oh my gosh. So anyway. I, I, I recommend it to people. And I think it's, you know, the whole not vaccine thing or the vaccination, what do they call it? Hesitant, the vax yeah. hesitant or whatever, you know, fine. If you're going to be there, go to some site like this and then begin to think about, okay, if I'm not going to be vaccinating myself, these are the precautions that I need to take. Yeah. Um, um, so <sighs> Yeah, cool. just 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 this morning found out that a family member um, 
uh, has contracted COVID and um, was kind of the vaccine hesitant, but had finally scheduled um, had finally scheduled a vaccination for tomorrow, but yesterday it was um, found positive already. Oh my gosh! So it's like you know, just get it done. Just just do it, please. So that's the other end that I wanted to bring out there. Oh yeah, Micromorts. Yeah. So what's Micro- the website again? Microcovid.org. Uh, it is. Um, uh, oh boy, I closed that. <laughs> Me too. Oh well, yes, microcovidproject.org. Here, yeah. Hold so, yeah, microcovid.org. Oh, yes, microcovid.org. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that would be. I think that would be a kind of a helpful, insightful. Yeah. Very good. Piece. I like it. Good. Good. Thank you. By the way, speaking of, so this this has got to be a sign of. I mean, this has to break through people uh, around here. It should help a few people, at least with their hesitancy. And that is our Walmart here closed itself down for three days. Whoa. It did it because so much of their staff contracted COVID that they forced themselves to close down so they can do a deep cleaning. Right. Resup- re- and restock all the shelves, restock, resupply. That's huge. I, I wonder, well, here's something I said to, to Carla. I thought this would be a great idea. What if Walmart or Albertsons or Kroger Corporation said, hey, you go, you show us your Vax card, you get 10% off. Yeah. That'd be awesome. I mean, you know, it, you're not saying you can't, the others can't shop there, but you right. can also say those who Here's are a Here's a safe, well, they're all right. Yep. And I, I think two things would happen. I think one, people would, people who've been vaccinated would go to that store yep. and they would see, you know, an increase perhaps from some of those who are hesitant to be in public spaces. Yep. And I wonder if people who you know are motivated by a profit, you know, by making, you know, saving some money, yep. but like, okay, it's free and they're offering me 10% off. So, huh. Seems like a no brainer. But let me tell you this though. They are finding um, people are paying up to $400 for fake cards, you know, that prove they're vaccinated. Yeah. So, I don't know where people's mind is. You can get a free shot and get the card free (laughs) (laughs) and not pay $400. It's the principle. Oh my God. Principle. How much is that principle worth to you? I guess for them, 400 bucks, because, you know, I, 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 I've been dwelling on this uh, from my last philosophy class that I taught because we have a unit on ethics. Yeah. And somebody was, t- you know, one of the students was bringing this up as far as, you know, personal liberty. You know, yeah. we have liberty is a, is a, is this thing that we have as an abstract principle that, you know, nobody can tell me what to do kind of a thing. And then, you know, we, I think my interaction with them was liberty to do what? Cause we're yeah. studying ethics and there's only two basic ways of doing ethics. One is like, uh, utilitarian, the the maximum good for the most amount of people. Right. How does your liberty feed into making the most potential good for the largest number of people? 
it really nowhere asks you what's the greatest good for you by yourself. Yeah. And then the other part is called um, uh, categorical imperative or deontology or Immanuel Kant, you know, ethics. Uh And uh and the idea there is not about the consequences, you know, good outcomes. It's the intention. So is your liberty being used for the intention basically to follow the golden rule? (laughs) And in neither sense is liberty just for your own personal good. It's always for others. Yeah. And it's like, I'm having trouble seeing how people who tout personal liberty in this case mm-hmm. are expressing that they care anything about anybody else. That's right. And that's, that's I right. think, I think that's more like getting to the point of what's wrong with our age in the last eight years, 10 years, you know, <laughs> however long. Really? <laughs> yeah. But it's really come, it's really come to a boiling point. Yes. Oh, it's uh, real, oh yeah. So, ah, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. So I've been thinking about the last two days. I don't know why this popped on my head, and I'm sure somebody's already unpacked this and written essays on it and everything. But the here in America, the embrace by certain parts of the church, the embrace of the symbology of the Gadsden flag, you know. The don't the Gadsden flag. Yeah, the don't tread on me. You know the snake. Oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't know how to name like that. Yeah, yeah. It's called the Gadsden flag, and it's uh, the don't tread on me with the snake. And the last two days, I've been thinking about. It's like the Bible talks about God trampling on the head of the snake. How like like there's not a more clear picture of like the snake represents. Right. Me, myself, me and what I want before all else. And God, you know, crushing that metaphorically crushing that that spirit, you know, that's yeah, that's that's way back in Genesis. Right. Yeah, at the very beginning. Tra- exactly. Your descendant will crush the head. And yeah. that's a theme that gets car- carried through the whole narrative. Exactly. How do they not? I'm like, like, I would think about the last two days of that, like. How do so many people embrace, you know, just it as a symbol, a, but also the spirit of it when clearly the whole, I mean, from the get go, the beginning, the message was, Hey, well, this is what's going to kill you is this embrace of the snake spirit. You know, the, (laughs) the, the the other side of that, or the, I mean, maybe another portion of that is so Carla and I have been reading through the Bible in a year together. And we were just talking the other day about the incredible amount of idolatry that goes on in in the the Hebrew Bible narrative, mm-hmm. and that all this stuff against idols isn't like. Uh, and here's one more good idea that you know maybe you guys should think about. It was specifically addressing a problem that was ongoing, and they were dealing with every single day. Yep. And then we remembered the passage in I can't remember if it's First or Second Kings, wherever the story of David is. I don't like David, so I usually forget him, but when. <laughs> When he, when he flees and he tries to hide that he's actually left his bed and he put the household God under the covers to look like he was asleep there, two things. One, he's the king and he has a God. Yeah. A household God. Yeah. That's weird. That's yeah. odd. That seems wrong. Yep. Cause he knew better. Yep. And, but the narrative goes on without any judgment. It's just like, oh yeah, people have those. <laughs> That's you know? what that happens. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, uh, which is weird because Kings is in the prophetic tradition. They would have gone, right. you know, should have like gave a snide comment on the, you know, well, just the fact that they even included it though. That's probably it. Yep. And, uh, not only that, it was, 
it was how I don't know how tall David was, but it was similar to his height. So you know, you got a five six a foot big. statue. I mean, it's oh not like a little God. thing that you're hiding in a cupboard, you know. <laughs> wow. So so yeah, don't tread on me. Yeah, that's that's just another idol that guides our imagination, and we don't even think about it as having anything to do with faith. There is an idol that we're supposed to be warned against. Oh, and man. Do to us. So much going on right now. Oh, yes. Oh, hey, wow. you know, one of the things I wish Carla would, she didn't send me the link, but she found an amazing website with a number of um, Christian scholars Ooh. who are writing uh, theologically and pastorally about, um, about the pandemic. It, and uh, get that link from her and we'll add it on. But yeah, that sounds good. Yeah. And, because uh, yeah. They're, honestly, I can't think, I mean, I don't know, maybe it's, I'm a prisoner of the now, but I'm like, there's just so much that you're revealing right now of what's where we are, like how badly people need Christianity 101. <laughs> Do you know, what I, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, geez. But, um, you know, that while we're on the theme of viruses and, and M, yes. one, one of the things that I had sent you uh, was an article from uh, the Herd Museum in Phoenix, Arizona. Oh, yes. Scrolling back, trying to find that. But one of their exhibits and um, one of the things about the Herd Museum in Arizona is it specializes, it focuses on indigenous populations. Okay. Yep. And now when I grew up, it was called the Herd Indian Museum. Okay. <laughs> and now it's just called the Herd or the Herd Museum. How's, uh, how's Herd spelled? H-E-A-R, kind of like listening, Herd. Oh, gotcha. Okay. And one of the things that was neat to see with their board of directors is it represents indigenous uh, peoples across North America. Ooh. And so it's, it's really become a place not only about uh, the indigenous folks of Arizona, but really covering the story. And we went through an exhibit that was, was um, it felt like a small Holocaust museum almost, not, not to that extent, but, right. but it represented that, where it was the story of the boarding schools where the kids were sent off you know, parents would put them in their best, um, you know, tribal clothing representing who they are. And as soon as they got to the schools, all that stuff was thrown away and burned. Stripped. Stripped and, you know, their hair is cut off and, you know, stripping away all their identity and then their experiences of being in those schools. I was, it was so heartrending. Yeah. And um, coming out of that, uh, as we were leaving, there was an exhibit. And it just caught my eye because, wait, that looks like a bunch of masks. And now, not the traditional indigenous ceremonial masks, uh, like a kachina would wear or something like that. But these were, you know, the COVID filter masks. Right. That was intricate beadwork. Ooh, and beautiful. it was some beautiful, beautiful art. But I, th I think what was amazing was these pieces of art were a protest yep. from the indigenous folk <clears throat> about the high rate of, of mortality. Yep. And then from that, um, oh, my assistant is, is, is showing up. Yeah, <laughs> Hello. Anyway, so it was, it was about that high, there, this, it was a protest against the way that the indigenous peoples had been um, 
not been treated, how they've been avoided, ignored, you know, during this, this medical issue. Oh, wow. Yes. So hey, let me, let me ask my co-pastor here. Uh, yes. Hi, do you co-pastor. have a website? Yeah. Did- Hi. <laughs> Hi. It's called Christians and the Vaccine. Oh. oh that sounds simple enough, huh? <laughs> yeah. Is it christiansandthevaccine.org? It's, and then the question was, should Christians take the vaccine? But yes, it's .com. Okay. Okay. It's- Christiansandthevaccine.com. There it is. Found it? I did. Christian- and I have already listened to one of the um, one of the little episodes with the Pentecostal Holiness Bishop. Yes. Did I get that right? Yeah. Well, so his son is a doctor. His wife is a pharmacist. <laughs> he And he said, you know, we do have that belief that we believe in divine healing and God's ability to do that. And yet we also can say this is part of that. <laughs> That's anyway, right. It's a gift. To it. It's a gift from God. That's a, yeah. It was only like six or seven minutes long. So That's I don't know how all of them are, but that's how long that one oh, was. Oh, that sounds good. I like it. Very cool. Yeah. All right. Well, All right. bye, guys. <laughs> oh, see ya. I'm going to try and get back into the house. <laughs> so we've got, we've got a busted screen door. It, it oh, opens, no. but it has trouble closing. Yeah, I didn't realize how bad it was. <laughs> oh, now it's really stuck. It really um, is. <laughs> oh, wow. So that's a, that's a, look, she was reading me the names of the different people involved with this website. It's yeah. a, it's a, looks like a really good resource. It's a who's who, huh? It hey, is. uh, um, um, uh, somebody asked me the other day, I think they were trying to paint me into a corner, but I was like, this is, to me, it was an easy one. They asked me, is it a sin for people not to get the vaccine? And, and I, how did you respond? I said, I got no problem saying yes. In some cases, it certainly is. Situational ethics. Huh? Sure, Of course. But yeah. I mean, of course, I mean, you know, there I, I'm, yeah, there are people who are going to have, you know, uh, they can't take any vaccines. I get it. I mean, I know that there are yeah. reasons, but, but if literally our two commands are love your neighbor as yourself, you know, if that's the command, right. You're kind of stuck. <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? Now, now, truthfully, I understand those who have a serious academic uh, and intellectual debate going yeah, on, who actually read the peer-reviewed journals and maybe think there's a problem there. Yeah. I mean, I can appreciate that. I, oh, yeah, I know. You got to work I, through it. But, I mean, if you're not doing the hard work yeah. of reading things that are challenging you and giving you, and I, I really like peer reviewed stuff, yes. you know, multiple sources, yep. corroborating evidence. Yep. Um, yep. If you're not doing that. Yeah. It's, a, it, I'll go yeah. With yeah. And it, especially if you're, well, and you didn't say this, but I mean, this is, if your whole basis is nobody can tell me what to do and personal, you know, Liberty, just like what you're talking about, then yep. Sorry. Yep. Yeah. You are bowing down to the idol. To the um, snake. To the snake. Yep. 100%. Okay. All right. So I, I, I haven't written on Pathios for a while. I need to write about the snake, I think. Do it, man. That's good. Oh, I'm glad I could uh, put a little seed in your brain. Well, writing as much as I can because another M is manual, um, meaning manual dexterity. Oh, gotcha. So I got hand surgery tomorrow. Oh, no. 
No good. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> okay. I'll be able, I'll be able to clap my hands again. Well, you can't bend your hands, your fingers. Yeah. To, oh wow, I, look at that. Because of Deputrin's contracture. I see it. Oh my gosh, it's sticking out there. Yeah. Yeah. So. Okay, so you know one can see this, but Craig cannot literally put his hands flat enough against each other to to clap. Because one, so, they're curved, they're bent into a. So what happens is the the palm contracts at eventually un, unmanaged to being a closed closed fist. Ooh. For me, it's only the main knuckles across the back of the hand, but eventually it can get all the other knuckles as well. So it just curls all the way in. Oh, jeez. Um, and my my kids, you know, they'll, they'll do well at a track meet, and they know that I can't give them a high five. <laughs> So they're sideways. Fist bumps are good though. You can do it All right. Yeah, a lot of a lot of knuckles. So um oh, I love it. Manual dexterity. Craig's getting surgery tomorrow. I love it. So that means a lot of one-handed typing. Yeah. Oh man, that's true. Okay. Well, and then and then after the left hand uh clears up uh, and I'm able to right use hand. it, then gonna get the right hand, hand done. Oh man, so you'll be back to back. How long is recovery time? Do they say? um six to eight weeks oh geez i mean till full recovery but they said yeah. you know it'll be splinted for a, like a week okay after surgery and then the splint will come off and i should be able to have kind of normal function of it oh, wow. but need to sleep with a splint at night so it doesn't begin to curl back oh geez wow and uh so what's this called what do you contract what do do uh, putrin's contracture <laughs> do putrin's Boy, that doesn't even sound good. Contracture. That sounds awful. It sounds like a uh, a medieval torture technique. So that's how you spell Deputrin. I, that, there you go. Deputrin's contracture. Oh, my gosh. <sighs> Rough. And I'm really hoping that they let me videotape the surgery. Yeah, that'd be kind of cool. I, yeah. I had a friend in high school, a a tendon got cut and so his pinky ended up just going oh wow yeah i i and i think he had to do some type of surgery but yeah that's just he could no longer lift his pinky because of it so like this yeah i wonder if it's similar similar type of deal so i went to a deputian's website when i was trying to learn more about it and there's a lot of famous people with it Oh wow! And, and you can see because when they're standing still, their their hands are are curled in. Yeah. And um, every once in a while, when I go to shake somebody's hand, well, when I used to shake hands, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like I couldn't get the hand open, so the 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 hand gets fumbled around. You get those fingers straight and out to actually, you know, that is interesting. Shake. So you know how everyone has that whole not everyone, lots of people have the uh, thought of like. You can judge somebody based on their handshake, you know, when you do the boom. Oh, you, yeah, you make that judgment about Yeah, 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 yeah. I, you know, I had never thought about this, but I wonder how many people's hands I'm shaking. They have something going on that they can't, you know, give you that firm. Oh, yeah. Could be all kinds of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Be, be careful not to judge. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which I stopped. I mean, I stopped doing that anyway yeah. a long time ago because in particular, there's one guy, wonderful bright intelligent super i mean all sorts of good things but his handshake was like a dead fish you know and i was like i can't judge you know like your first impression my dad even my dad shook his hand was like what was up with this handshake (laughs) (laughs) 
All right. So next M. Yeah. What do we got? Oh. Okay. Let's let's review. We've done mental health. We've done your mishaps in the motor vehicle and magic beans. We did uh, manual dexterity just now. We did masks. <laughs> Micro COVID. Micro COVID. Boy. We might be good. <laughs> yeah, we covered a lot. And we got music with the big interview. Oh, and we got music. That's the big one. Yeah. So. All right. You want to wrap this up? We good? We We're good. Talk- All right. Well, <laughs> it's good catching up with you, Cody. Yeah. Good to see you. I'm glad you made your trip home, your long trek, your <laughs> journey from Mordor. There's an M. Mordor to mm, Meridian. Magic Valley. <laughs> oh, Meridian. Sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I guess you're not in the Magic Valley, are you? No, it's good. No. Treasure Valley, Treasure Valley, Magic Treasure Valley. Valley. Yeah, we'll call it Meridian. Meridian because it was an M. You, so. you did have to go through Magic Valley, right, to get home? Is we did. Right? We did. There you go. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. And we went through places with a bunch of mythological names through Utah. Ooh, love it. Oh. Love it. All right, buddy. We did All it. All right. Another Tune episode. in to see what letter comes next. It could be anything. It's yeah. A, it's a grab bag. It's a miscellaneous we're running, grab bag. We're, we're running out of alphabet. You know, we've only got about uh, 22 letters left. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I love that we've set ourselves up, though, for a nice run. Yeah, it sounds like a good series. We'll continue. <laughs> All right. All right, Mr. Mr. Morton. We'll see you later, Mr. Cody. <laughs> <laughs> Adios. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining Cody Stauffer and me, Craig Morton, for this podcast. We simply try to record and upload without much editing. What you get is live conversation with all its ignorance and insight, wisdom and foolishness, sometimes more of one than the other, and occasionally profound things will be said, but entirely by accident. Make sure to follow us on Facebook at the All That's Holy Blue Collar Podcast. We'd love to hear from you, so leave a comment. And look for upcoming Facebook Live podcasts where you can interact with our guests. Also, we can be found on Twitter as at All That's Holy. Our intro and outro music is by At The Speed Of Darkness. Support At The Speed Of Darkness on Bandcamp and buy his music there. As well as follow him on Instagram at At The Speed Of Darkness. 